The Spirit wants to overwhelm our categories. Stephen was killed because he was the wrong category. He was one of those Jesus followers. And the guy who held his the coats of the guys who were throwing rocks was a young guy named Saul, who some years later had this powerful experience on the road to Damascus, and he switched categories. He became a Jesus follower. And years after that, he's writing to a, a church in Turkey called Galatia. And this is what he writes. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free man. There is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Murmuring is no small matter. And murmuring doesn't seek solutions. Leaders do. Uh, series called Catching the Wind, and it's really about learning to be led by the Spirit. What does it mean to have sensitivity, to have discernment, to have an awareness that any circumstance or situation I'm in, God is there, and, and He's with me. And it, it might be a moment when He wants to tap me on the heart and say, have a discussion with that person, or go this way, or say this, be involved, be kind. All these things that God can do in those moments, we're continuing that. I've called this real transformation. And I want to talk today about what happens when people really believe that they can be changed by the presence of God. I, I want to ask a question just to lead off with. Who, raise your hand if in your house you're in charge of the remote control. <laughs> oh, some of you are poking each other. What's going on here? <laughs> yeah, you said because I let you, right? <laughs> you know, it's it's kind of funny because certain things Bonnie runs the control because she's good at skipping the commercials. You know, I like that a lot. But when it comes to football games or sports or something, then she just hands me the remote. And so you got to share the power, right? You got to share the power. Well, that's kind of what this whole thing is about, is who's in control? Who's in control of the world today? You know, what, what's going on? This, this message is, it's, it's, it's a gutsy message. And, you know, when we plan these things out, we have no idea what's going to happen in a place like Paris the week before. We have, how many of you have heard of ISIS? You know, I mean, let's face it, this, this is a tricky situation we're in, and the darkness that is trying to creep in to our world and has crept in is a very serious matter. What we see in the text today is a really dark story. It's, it's, it's ISIS killing a Christian. Only they're Pharisees and Sadducees and Jewish people who do not believe Jesus was the Messiah. And Stephen was preaching and telling them, that he was the Messiah, and they killed him for it. They hit him with rocks until he died. So there's no way to kind of lighten it up and make it happy. And I, I, this isn't really my style of teaching. I like, I like saying, let's go, let's charge, let's make a difference. But this today, is, it's a reflective time. So just put on your reflective hats and open your heart to what God might want to say to you because this is impacting me, and the study and the prep has impacted me. And terrorism has impacted me. Persecution has impacted all of us. And 
If the Bible were being written right now in the Middle East, it would include a lot of stories like we're going to read today in Acts 7 and 8. It includes quite a few now. You know, do you ever just, do you ever just come to this place in your mind where, I know it's oversimplifying everything, but sometimes I just wake up and I go, can't we just all get along? Do you ever have that thought? Like, why don't we, we, we just agree to disagree and you can do your thing, I can do mine, but let's, get, let's not kill each other over it. But, but that's not going to happen because people are impassioned about what they believe. And in this story, they couldn't let Stephen say what he said because it cut them to the core. And they killed him for it. And that's, that's the story today that we're facing. So, so we're going to be talking a lot about how you're doing. Like, are you, are you mad? Is, does anger come in you when you watch the news these days about this kind of stuff? Or are you scared? Some of you are filled with fear. Because we don't know how close this is to us right now. It might be closer than we think. And how are we going to respond to that? I don't think we, especially as a typical American, are prepared. I'm talking about believers in America are really prepared to suffer for the name, to bear the name of Jesus. I think we are in a mode of fighting. And if we're not careful, we're going to miss we're going to miss the whole point. What you're going to learn from Stephen. It's shocking. Now, this, I'm going to say some things that you go, oh, I need to think about that. Good. Is that fair? Don't kill me. We can disagree, but I'm going to throw some stuff out there that, especially in your small groups, get into these discussions because injustice is real. Violence is real. Terrorism is real. And I don't think it's going away anytime soon. So let's look at the response that Stephen has and let's measure it against where we are. Because we're all at different places. Number one in your outline, if you're following along, you can turn your Bibles to Acts 7 and 8. We're just going to go verse by verse. Is it true that some things never change? Is it true that some things just will never change? Our world situation is unlikely to get better. But we don't know that. There's seasons in our history when things are better than worse and Times and it's worse than better. But I want to just throw the question out there. Because Stephen is telling it like it is in this story. So just to frame it, Jesus has ascended back into heaven. And Stephen starts talking to the Jewish mindset here. He's basically preaching a sermon and he's accusing them of killing the Lord Jesus, who is the Messiah. And they don't believe he was the Messiah. Let's pick it up. Verse 51 in Acts 7. You stubborn people, you are heathen at heart and deaf to the truth. Must you forever resist the Holy Spirit? That's what your ancestors did, and so do you. Name one prophet your ancestors didn't persecute. They even killed ones who predicted the coming of the righteous one, the Messiah, whom you betrayed and murdered. You deliberately disobeyed God's law, even though you received it from the hands of angels. The Jewish leaders were infuriated by Stephen's accusation. They shook their fists at him in rage. That was like the first step of saying, if you don't shut up, you're going to die. Notice this. But Stephen, full of what? Full of the Holy Spirit. The wind is blowing. He's catching the wind. There's something divine happening in this moment. 
he gazed steadily into heaven and he saw the glory of God. And he saw Jesus standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. He's having a vision. And he told them, look, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. Oh, this, this, was, this was it for them. They put their hands over their ears and began shouting. They rushed him and they dragged him out of the city and they began to stone him. His accusers took off their coats, interesting, and laid them at the feet of a young man named Saul. Why is that significant? If you're new to Christianity and you don't know too many names in the Bible, you're going to come across the name Paul a lot. If you believe Paul wrote Hebrews, then he wrote more than half of the New Testament. He traveled, he was an evangelist, but his name originally was Saul, and this is him. He's a part of the murder of Stephen. And yet God would raise him up as one of the strongest leaders for the Christian faith in history. How can that be? We've got to unpack some of that. But why do people constantly fight? Why did this make them so mad? Why couldn't they have just said, Stephen, that's your opinion? Go tell it somewhere else. It, it was accusing them of not having it right. Do you know that most of the wars in the world, a lot of them have to do with religion? And that's sad to me. Because what happens is, religion touches the very core of the soul. Now, I don't like, if someone says to me, are you religious? I don't like answering yes to that. Because religion, in and of itself, can be really bad or really great. And so I try to say something like, you know, I'm just working hard to try to follow the teachings of Jesus. That's kind of how. Because religion creates all kinds of issues and problems, especially false religions. But what happens is our hearts are given to protect what we believe to be true and right. And when, when it involves eternity, we have uh, some passion that comes with that. So people want to give themselves, now hear this, it's important. They want to give themselves to something that they are willing to die for because it gives them purpose in living. So, so when you see these radical militants for what they believe uh, attached with violence and wiping everyone else out, they believe they're doing this in the name of God. Now, that's the worst case scenario that you can have in the world, and that's what we're facing. That's exactly what happens to Stephen. So what we're seeing today in the news is not new. It's just in a broader sense, and we're more aware of it because of media coverage. Our beliefs about God really do matter. So secondly in your outline, how can I understand big picture instead of personal vengeance? How can I get my head around a bigger picture that God might see instead of just my own thought patterns that I typically default to in any situation? Because you have your way of thinking, I have mine. How can I change that? How can transformation come into my mind if I'm praying? Look at verse 59. As they stoned him, okay, this is, they took off their coats so they could get a better shot. They took off their coats so their, their capes so that they have freedom to throw a stone. Now think about this. As they stoned him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. You know what? He knows he's dying. Not to be gross, but he's probably been hit in the head a few times and he's, he's dying. 
And he's, he's on his last leg and he's saying, Lord, receive my spirit. This is the end. He fell to his knees shouting, Lord, take them out, cut their heads off, rip their hearts out. What? It doesn't say that. That was my version. He said, Lord, don't charge them with this sin. And with that, he died. That's not very American. Man. Okay, this is tricky. If there was a high school bully in my neighborhood and I saw him beating up a sixth grader in my front yard, I would stop the fight. How many of you would? I can't just say, let it go. So from a political sense, there's something powerful about our nation becoming engaged and involved. And I'm not trying to talk politics. I'm just trying to tell you and lead us to what this Bible is saying. And I don't have a problem with that. But as a, as a Christian in my world being persecuted for advancing the kingdom of God, that could be a different thing. What are my rights? What were Stephen's rights here? He, he didn't even fight back. He didn't even try to. Why? It doesn't make sense to me. I've got to somehow expand my thinking and have the grace of God come and visit me in order to understand what's going on in Stephen and get this right. So I don't think I would have said, don't charge them with the sin. Um, we would have been saying, God, strike them down. Why? Because we live in the day of personal rights. We live in a day of personal space. We live in a day of personal vindication. You mess with me, I mess with you. I heard a guy a few weeks ago say, I'm from Texas. If you kill us, we will kill you back. (laughs) Then I I heard another guy say, you can always tell a Texan. I said, how? He said, well, you just can't tell them much. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I love Texans. I'm just kidding, you guys. Most Texans would agree with that statement, by the way. See, what was going on with Stephen is a different perspective than, than my understanding of personal rights. This is the yielding of a spirit as the voice of the spirit in the willingness to promote the kingdom of God and lay down all of my rights. It's tough for us to think like this. And it's challenging. Because typically my teaching is wanting to go forward and take you somewhere and let's go take the mountain. But this we have to sit back and say, how could he have done this? Well, first of all, he gave his life fully to God. And it's pretty, it's pretty easy for us. I'm not down on anybody, but it's pretty convenient for us to pop in church once in a while and call it good. What is it really like to say, my life belongs to God? Everything in my life. And I am committed to doing His will, His purpose on the earth. He had that right. Secondly, he trusted that God was in control. And that's something that, you know, we typically like control. Uh, We like to take it back. We don't like to say, God, you're in control. We say, God, you're in control, and I'm going to do this. (laughs) You're in control, so make this happen. And we have a lot of I, 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 I prayers and we, we, we and me, me, me prayers that are all about what's in my best entrance. God, I'm really following you, so that means 
and our American dream is all tied up in this God thing of more money, bigger house, bigger car, bigger page, blah, 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 blah. Stephen just said, don't charge them with the sin. Why? Because he cared more about the souls of men than his own vindication and his own rights. And he saw the darkness that was in them, and it devastated him. I don't think that happens to me very often. I've been really praying about, God, what do you want to say? But he was committed to speaking the truth. You know, if we really, if we really believe we're living in the end times, and, and, and I don't like people who talk about this all the time. They're obsessed with it because we know what we're supposed to do as believers, and that's work hard to bring the kingdom of God to this earth until Jesus comes back. And that could be centuries. It could be decades. It could be today. I don't know. I hope it's today. But it all adds up that it just might cost us something. We're not used to that in our culture here. We're really not. So today's about you thinking about this a little deeper. Number three, we must never give up on God for reaching someone. God has a way of bringing people to intersections in their life, and it usually involves situations, circumstances, or pain. If, if we had the time to hear your story today of how you came to faith, many of you will have stories of desperation when you cried out to God. And God came through. Many people come to faith in the worst times of their life. Why? They're desperate. They need hope. They need life. And Jesus does give that. Thank God. He does. And there's something powerful about that. But I'm not going to give up. Look at verse uh, Acts 8. In the very beginning it says, Saul, this is the guy, Saul was one of the witnesses and he agreed completely with the killing of Stephen. How do you, I'm going to call him Paul from here on because he becomes Paul later. How does Paul, when he saw, how in the world does God look down on the earth and say, oh, I want that guy to be one of the main leaders of the church. He just witnessed Stephen's death and was happy about Stephen's death. You know, if I'm picking teams, I'm not picking that guy. Right? I'm mad at that guy. I don't want to, I don't want to have anything to do with him. And it, and it just, we have this complete transformation, which we're going to look at next week, because Saul to Paul is worth really talking about for a while and, and transformation in his life. But as I look at this story and I think about, you know, who are the leaders in the world that are the most devastating to God's will and God's plan? God is still tapping them on the heart trying to reach them. And, and that's why we, we, we should be praying for them. We should be praying for our nation, which we're going to do today. I think about history, and I think about the wars that have happened, and I think about people who have given up on God because He didn't do what they asked Him to do. And suddenly today, I'm backing up and saying, God, I don't know what Your will is. And I, I don't think I have a whole bunch of personal rights that I have demands with You about. Maybe my job is to submit and surrender and do the stuff You put on my heart and do the stuff You put in front of me. And maybe it's not about just fighting everything. It's about submitting and surrendering my life to your will, even if it means my destruction. Stephen had that heart. I don't know how he got it, but he got it. God sees our hearts, and he reaches out to us. I, I, I want to encourage you with something. 
How many of you have a son or a daughter, a parent, a family member, or maybe it's a close friend that are way, 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 way away from God? I mean, it's like, whoa. When you think of them, you know, they're probably never coming back. You know, you don't even hardly have the hope that they could. But how many of you have hope that they will? There's someone in your life that's lost, 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 and you want to see them come back. Hold your hand up, please. Look around. Okay, that's a lot of us. It's a lot of us. Don't give up on praying for them. If God can see a Saul persecuting the church and being a part of the martyr of Stephen, and he's still tapping on his heart, and he's still trying to get him on his side, then let me tell you something. There is hope for that person that you maybe have about lost hope for. Don't lose hope. God's knocking on their heart. Let's pray for them today. In a little while, we're going to call their name out in prayer because I believe God's bringing them. And it might be circumstances. When you pray for someone like that, you might be calling them into the biggest battle of their life. God might put, there might be circumstances that come into their life where they're forced to make a decision because of your prayers. It's powerful when you think like that. How many of you on the other side have either been a long, long ways away from God, addicted to stuff, but you have had real transformation come into your life, or you have witnessed it in someone that you love, and it's true, and they really changed. Let me see your hand. Look at that. See, it happens. It really happens in our world today. God still transforms hearts and lives. That's why I want you to have hope about this today. Number four. What is our response to persecution? Look at this. It's almost, it's almost takes your breath away when you see what happens. A great wave of persecution began that day, sweeping over the church in Jerusalem, and all the believers except the apostles were scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. Some devout men came and buried Stephen with great mourning. But Saul was going everywhere to destroy the church he went from house to house, dragging out both. And the, the, the verbiage there is real strong. It involves violence. Dragging out both men and women to throw them in prison. It's aggressive. I would never choose persecution for myself or for any of you to make the kingdom of God grow, but that's exactly what happened. Pastor Brent, in our prayer time before church today, just had this one little phrase that he prayed knowing where we're going. And he said, Lord, remind us that the blood of the martyrs are the seeds of the kingdom of God in the future. Everywhere the church has been persecuted, it has seen exponential growth. And it causes you to step back and say, why is that happening? We don't want that to happen, but how will I face it if I need to? Um, Number four, I mean number five, sorry. What if our greatest hour is yet ahead? What if, what if we don't see it, but God has a plan for the greatest work of the church ever in history to come busting through in these next years? Verse 4, look at what's happening. But the believers who were scattered preached the good news. I love that line. I was expecting it to say, but the believers who scattered were scared, went underground, huddled in little circles. No. They preached the good news about Jesus wherever they went. Philip, for example, went to the city of Samaria. He told people about the Messiah. Crowds listened intently to Philip 
because they were eager to hear his message and see the miraculous signs he did. May God give us miraculous signs. Many evil spirits were cast out, screaming as they left their victims. And many who had been paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in the city. Wow. You know, when I think about this, and I think about the result of what happened to Stephen, I, I somehow have to walk away and say, okay, what is my response to this story, and how can I remain hopeful in a world that seems right now to be filled with despair? So I, when, I, when I'm preparing for a message, I always have two things going on. I have what I'm putting in the outline to go on the screens, and then I have a personal page where I'm just I'm saying, God, you're talking to me about that. This isn't to take here. This is for me. And I wrote down four things that I said, this is how I want to remain hopeful in a world of despair. So they're not on the screen, but I decided to share them with you. Not that they're that great, but it just gives you an idea. I'd love for you to make your own list. How am I not going to fall into despair watching the news? I took a break from watching the news for a while. Because it was so discouraging. As a leader who cares, who wants to see people change, it's just... It's becoming such a violent world. Number one, I think this. I think stop living for myself. I think narcissism is, is one of the worst culprits among believers today because we want everything our way and we don't see it in ourselves. We don't see it that we're, our prayers are filled with all about what I want, I need. God, do this, do that. And it's very rarely that we just say, God, spend me. Spin me. If it means my life, I don't care. I just want to be spent. Where do you want to send me? Where should I be going? What should I be doing? The second thing is, I want to try to ascertain the bigger plan of God. I think sometimes I live in my little world. Just think about this. What does a typical day look like for you in your life? How many people do you run into? How many people do you have in one day? Okay, a week. Think of your office, your home, your neighborhood, wherever you're hanging out. How many people are you rubbing? Think of a month. Okay, it's expanding a little bit. Your world. But it's still very small. I got on a plane the other day, and I was noticing the beautiful Rocky Mountains, and I was looking at DIA and just how amazing that structure is, and, and we were going real slow by it. And then we took off, and it started getting really small. It was really little. Then it was just like this little dot among all these squares, and circles. And then the Rocky Mountain Range, I see it clear up coming down out of Wyoming all the way down. And I'm like, wow, this is big. And then the higher you get that 30,000 foot view, suddenly my view changed. I wonder what God sees. I don't want to get stuck in having a little fence war with my next door neighbor. I don't want to get stuck with the yapping dog down the street, even though they should take him out. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Listen, listen. in our little world, there are things that are going to annoy us. Be bigger than that. Be bigger than that. Live for something more than that. Don't let rage and anger come over you about these stupid little things that pressure us into reaction. Let's be the people of God that say, Lord, I surrender the reins of my life. To do the will of God. Please use me. And then I I wrote down, broaden the circle of what I care about. I've started praying for the world differently. I've started praying by nations. And I'm going to invite you to do that. And next year we have a plan to pray through the world. 
We pray through our country as well. The last thing I wrote down, I think it's because of the name of the series, I just put, I want to catch the wind of the Spirit. I want to, I want to sense when God really is talking to me and I'm not just making stuff up. I want to be able to discern that perfect will of God. I want to be able to, to be on in leading my family and leading this church and asking God to do the things that only God can do because we're a, we're a God-sized vision church. We've asked for a lot. We've, we've put our neck on the line to touch the world. And you guys are making a difference. But I want that. But I don't want us to be afraid. I want us to catch the Spirit. I want us to pray today for several things. And I'm going to ask you to join me. Lord, first of all, thank you for Stephen. Thank you for this guy who knew he was dying and yet... He didn't want those sins to go against those killers. How did he get to that? A lot to think about today, Lord. Show us how to love people that we otherwise would hate. Soften us. Show us how to find that balance between hating what people are doing in our world and being broken, broken because of the pain and the pain that they're living in themselves to be able to do these things. Jesus, you modeled it when you were on the cross and you said, forgive them. They know not what they do. Ignorance is tearing apart our world, Lord. And we need you today to comfort us. With heads bowed in here, I have several questions that I want to pray specifically for. Um, How many of you are believe? maybe it's the person you raised your hand for a while ago. How many of you would believe God today for someone that I'm going to ask you to say their name in just a moment? Uh, I'm going to ask you to whisper it under your breath. If you can think of someone, they are far from God and you're praying they'll come home. Would you hold your hand up a minute and keep it up just for a second? Just hold it up. Now get their name ready to say. Go ahead and say their name. Lord, in that moment, you heard every name. In that moment, you heard the heart behind the saying of that name. And you felt it. And we today as a church are asking you to bring these people home. Bring them to a decision. Bring them to a crossroads. If you can make Saul into Paul, you can reach these people. And we are not giving up on them. Put a new tenacity to pray, to believe, to ask. Secondly, guys, would you just join me in praying for America? Let's just agree together. Just really pray with me. Lord, we love this nation. But we have so many challenges right now. We hurt. We hurt for the decay, the immorality, the brokenness, the lying, the cheating, the killing, the, the politics of it all. Lord, it's just, just awful. And yet we know that you are a God who can move across this nation. And you can touch people to the core and you can bring them to a place of understanding your love for them. We pray that now, God, as a church. 
we ask you for America. Lastly, I want to pray for the world. Lord, the American borders, so much of this stuff that's happening in our world is way beyond that. And yet you're a God who knows and understands and you see every painful moment. And we ask you today to reach our world and use us as you see fit. How many of you would raise, no, don't raise your hand. Just, I want to pray for some of you who are are living in fear. Because it can be a scary time and you can get caught up in this and it'll take you and you'll run and hide and that isn't what God wants us to do. So if you're fearful and the flip side is anger to just want to go kill everybody who's killing the people that represent God, that's not the answer either. What, What is the answer? I don't know. But I know we need to be ready as a church. So I want to pray for some of you who are afraid first. Lord, thank you for people who are sensitive enough to actually become afraid. But we know that we can cast our fears on you. And you can take those fears. And I pray for courage. I pray for inspiration today from stories like Stephen that we will not shrink back from being the church. But that we will run toward the giant like David did in facing Goliath. Father, I pray for those who are in anger. And, and it's just easy, the solution to just, I don't know, just take that anger away and show us how to be brokenhearted for people who are persecuting the ones we love. And we pray for them more, God, to break their heart. Show us how to respond to all these tricky things because we don't know, but we trust you. We trust you for the glory of God and a wonderful future. We believe these things. And everyone said, Amen.